From the Fresno County Office of Education, this is the EL Netcast. My name is Emil Ahengazadeh, I work as the English Learner Programs and Instructional Support Coordinator at the Fresno County Office of Education. It's certainly my distinct pleasure to be your host as we take a look at some of the more frequently asked questions as well as some instructional strategies and methodologies relevant to the education of English learners. This session is going to be all about the language senses, which is referred to as the R30. It's uh, collected each spring. The purpose of the survey is to collect background and programmatic data on students from non-English language backgrounds that are enrolled in public schools in California and uh, to collect data on the staff that provides services to English learners. These data are collected on the R30-LC form and submitted electronically. The submission of the R30-LC is required by the California Education Code. Um, If you're interested, it's Section 62002 and the No Child Left Behind Act, which, of course, was a federal case law. The information that's collected through the language census is designed primarily for use by the CDE, the Department of Education, to produce state and federal reports. The language census data are also used to compute funding for Title III, the uh, community-based English tutoring program, economic impact aid for English learners, and the ELAP program, the English Language Acquisition Program. Additional uses of language census data include such things like uh, projections of future English learner enrollments and teachers that provide instructional services to English learners. I can also tell you the data from the language census may also serve local needs like class load analyses or program design and uh, you know, to determine school staffing needs. Language census data after review and certification, of course, are also made available to educational institutions and the general public on the Department of Education website. Uh, If you're so inclined to take a look at previous year's uh, information, you might well want to visit the site. It's www.cde.ca.gov slash ds slash. You can also call the Educational Demographics Office for more assistance. Their phone number is area code 916-327-0219. Now, submission of the R30 language census for each school is a responsibility of the local educational agency, the districts. And data has to be submitted for every public school grades kindergarten through 12. The types of school that the schools that are required to submit language census data include all traditional public schools, the California Education Authority schools, which were for, formerly known as California Youth Authority. Uh, charter schools are required under federal case law to submit information. Uh, the juvenile hall or court schools, uh, uh, county community schools need to submit this information. Community day schools or continuation schools, alternative schools of choice, um, opportunity schools. The uh, There are several types of schools that don't submit the language census data, um, and these include preschools, um, any children's center or adult school that they don't have to submit, or uh, regional occupational centers, um, state special schools or private schools. They don't, they don't submit the language census. Although there haven't 
been any changes that have been made to the data collection for the uh, recent year, the 2008 school year. The CDE has made a change in the data collection process itself. Uh, materials, including the instructions and the software, is no longer going to be mailed to district coordinators. Instead, you're going to be provided with uh, a letter which will have instructions on how to obtain the necessary materials from the internet. I love the internet. Additionally, and another addition to the change of process, is slight changes have been made uh, to the form for clarification purposes and the instructions have also been updated for clarification purposes. I want to review just a couple of significant dates uh, as well. The dates for the 08 language census data collection process are as follows. On the 8th of February in 2008, the language census coordinators are going to receive the materials from the Department of Education. On the 15th of February, uh, language census coordinators will then train their school staff in language census reporting procedures. The uh, end of February, the 29th, is uh, the Language Census Information Day. That's the day where the snapshot uh, needs to be taken. Um, on the 3rd of April is when the, the census is due to the Department of Education. There are a couple other dates. Uh, the 15th of April is when the Department of Education will notify um, the district's superintendents if the language census data uh, hasn't been received yet by that date. And on the 23rd of May will be the final date to submit amendments to the Department of Education. If you're interested in further uh, uh, contacts, I've, I've got everybody's contact here at the County Office of Education, including the uh, contacts for data submission assistance, um, uh, for uh, program and policy information, and the such. So please feel free to send me an email through uh, our website, which is www.fcoe.k12.ca.us. Now, before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of, of the language census, I want to cover the, the materials, all, all the materials necessary for the completion of the census data, as well as additional reference materials can be found through the Department of Education webpage. Um, again, if you want to just send me a, a quick email request, I'd be happy to forward that link over to you. The website has a whole bunch of materials, and uh, obviously these materials should be used or referenced when uh, collecting and submitting the data, um, such things as the, the forms and the instructional materials, the uh, language sensor data entry assistant software, um, referred to as the LCDEA, the instructions themselves for the spring language census, the list of the expected schools, the software news and updates, the file layout for the software, Letters from the Department of Education, um, the language census coordinator information, and so forth. The list of expected schools, one of the resources I just mentioned, is, is a list of schools in your district that are expected to submit this census data. It could also be used to notify the Department of Education of closed or uh, inactive schools or school name changes or grade span changes. The language census coordinator signature is required for all changes made to the list of expected schools. The uh, 
County superintendents or, or, or the district superintendent signature is also required for closed schools or school name changes. If there are any updates, the completed list may be returned to the Educational Demographics Office as well. Um, and again, I can give you their address and their fax number if, if, you, uh, if you need that. Every district has a designated uh, local contact to receive the language census correspondence. The, the, this, this contact will collect the data and return the census data to the Department of Education. If data can't be collected on February 29th because, say, the school is on a year-round or multi-track schedule and it's not in session on February 29th, the, the data for the students and the staff Uh, should then be collected on the last day in session before February 29th or on the first day back after February 29th, whichever date is closer. The census data is submitted electronically again by either using the LCDEA software or by logging on to the language census coordinators to uh, their, their login website and submitting the data via the internet. The LCDEA software is used by most districts to submit language census data for each of their schools. The uh, software is downloaded from the internet. I can send you that link as well, so you can download it if you don't already have it. If you want to use the software, you have to have internet access and uh, Windows 98. Uh, excuse me, Windows 95 or any later versions of Windows. The software is not Mac compatible. Um, it's, it's a bone of contention with me personally, but it's, uh, I mean, not, not even because I'm particularly a Mac user, but uh, I personally feel that there should be cross-platforming going on uh, because Macs are fantastic as far as I'm concerned. I'm a Windows user myself, but uh, anyway, there's my little personal bias there. Um, if you need more information, obviously all that, uh, they can provide you with plenty of SWAT software updates and assistance with the software. Again, send me a, an email through my website and I'd be happy to send you their, their webpage concerning all of that and how you go about doing it. Now, what uh, we've found through the, uh, the collection of all of this data, the, we found that there's several areas of the census that are often misunderstood by school and district staff when they're reporting their data. So I wanted to go through a couple of clarifications here uh, regarding uh, the language census and uh, some of the more common misunderstandings. First of all, all fluent English proficient students are reported in part one and not just reclassified students. So FEP kids, fluent English proficient students, are to be counted in part one whether they were reclassified this year or in previous years or were initially identified as FEPs or IFEPs. As long as FEP students are enrolled in the school, they are counted in part one. Uh, districts often incorrectly report only English learners who were reclassified in the le- past year in Part 1 count of FEPS. Parental exception waivers reported on Part 4 are not the same as parental requests. Okay, I'm talking about Part 4, Row 12 through 13. Uh, a parental exception waiver is a petition submitted by parents or guardians to have their child enrolled in a bilingual education class or other generally recognized alternative course of study. Parental requests, on the other hand, are requests by parents or guardians to have their child transferred from a structured English immersion setting and placed in an English language mainstream class and uh, provided with... Um, additional and uh, obviously appropriate instructional services as authorized by the Code of Regulations. Um, 
Teachers providing more than one type of instruction to English learners should be counted in only one section of part five of the sentence. Um, if the teacher, teachers who provide primary language instruction, as well as, say, ELD and or um, SEDAI instruction, are to be counted in Part 5, Section A only. Um, districts often incorrectly report these teachers in both Section A and B in Part 5, but this is not the correct way to report this data, uh, because Part 5 represents an unduplicated count of teachers. Only teachers providing services to English learners are reported on the language census. If they are providing direct instruction to English learners in ELD, language arts, mathematics, science, social science, and uh, obviously hold the California Commission on Teacher Credentialing, Bilingual, ELD, or SEDAI authorization, they should be reported on the language sentence, uh, census. Districts often incorrectly report all their teachers who hold an authorization listed on the language census, whether or not the teachers are actually providing EL instruction. Also, if, if a teacher has an EL student in his or her class, the teacher is only reported on the language census if he or she provides EL services in ELD, language arts, math, science, and social studies to the student. Again, districts often just incorrectly report teachers who have English learner students in their class, even if they don't provide direct EL instruction to the students. All traditional public schools, uh, California Education Authority schools, charter schools, juvenile hall court schools, county community schools, community day schools, continuation schools, alternative schools of choice, and uh, opportunity schools, they're all required by Ed Code and federal case law to complete the language census data, the R30. Districts are also required to report data for special education students who are sent to one or more non-public, non-sectarian school. Uh, the, The Department of Education requires that all charter schools submit their data through their authorizing district as the uh, R30 is a, is a district-level data collection tool. Again, as I mentioned earlier, preschools, children's centers, adult schools, regional occupation centers, and state special schools and uh, private schools don't have to submit the language census data. And of course, this all of what I'm talking about is explicitly stated in the uh, instructions for the Spring Language Census Form R30-LC, which, again, you can download from the Department of Education and uh, send me a quick email, and I would be happy to uh, send you the particular uh, link there. Now, it's at this point that I'm going to get real down to the nitty-gritty here. This is for folks who really get, uh, are, are really held responsible for holding on to the R30. So from here on out, it's going to get even more technical. So if uh, you've gotten pretty much what you need from the R30, now would be a good time to sign off. But if you are a coordinator, um, I, I really suggest that you listen as I go through a couple of uh, uh, more, uh, more technical based uh, uh, pieces of information here. A question that comes up is, how do we report the enrollment of students who speak a primary language other than those languages listed on the uh, first page of the R30 form? All students who speak a primary language other than the languages listed in the census form should be counted under Code 99, um, which is all other non-English languages. The total number of students should be entered on one line of the form Uh, And if a school starts to enroll significant numbers of students from a language group that's not listed in the R30LC form, then you should contact the Educational Demographics Office. New language groups 
can be added to the form for future years if it's determined that on a statewide basis, of course, that there's a significant enrollment of students from a particular language group. The number of fluent English proficient students, FEPS, in part one encompasses two groups of students. The first group consists of the IFEP students, the initially fluent English proficient students that are sometimes just called designated as uh, IFEP. IFEP students are those who on first being tested on the CELT were found to be fluent in English. All currently enrolled IFEP students identified during this school year and in previous school years should be counted as fluent English proficient in part one. The second group consists of former English learners who have been reclassified. Sometimes they're called RFEPs. All currently enrolled RFEP students who have been reclassified this year and in previous years should also be counted as uh, FEP in Part 1. Part 1 should always represent the total number of IFEP and RFEP students currently enrolled in the school. When, when you're reporting special education English learners in Part 2, you should choose the road that most closely reflects the type of service that they receive. But if the combined special education and English learner services are unique, then you record the number of students in row 8 under instructional services other than those defined in rows 4 through 7. Um, another question that comes up often is um, in Part 2, Section B in Row 8, there's a, a, a section there that says instructional services other than those defined in Rows 4 through 7. And some people say, well, what, 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 are, what would these instructional services be? Um, these would be instructional services for ELs that don't match the definitions of the services listed in rows four through seven. For example, this is where you would report students who are receiving the services listed in rows four through seven, but not in the quantity, only one period of SADAI or primary language instruction or, 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 or in the quantity required. For example, the, the instructional services are provided by teachers who don't have the appropriate authorization or who are not enrolled in the proper training program and consequently are not counted in Part 5. So, and this is another big question here, the difference between primary language support and primary language instruction. I'm talking about Part 2, Section B in uh, Row 6 and Row 7. Primary language support refers to the use of the primary language to support lessons that are taught mainly by using English. The use of bilingual paraprofessionals uh, to support lessons that are taught in English by a classroom teacher should be an example of primary language support. Um, other examples would be um, uh, clarifications or preview-review provided by the primary language, uh, rather in the primary language by a teacher or by a paraprofessional or an aide. Primary language instruction refers to lessons that are taught directly and primarily in the primary language by a qualified teacher and supported by corresponding written materials in the primary language. Students who receive ELD plus two subjects in Sadai and two subjects through primary language instruction should be reported in row seven basically, in Part 2, Section B. This is, it's the only row that contains the, des the designation of instruction through the primary language. 
the instructions to the language census uh, 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 clearly state the students who have instructional offerings like Sadai, in addition to ELD and primary language instruction, should be reported in row seven. The, the closest competing definition is found in row six, but the reference there is to ELD plus Sadai and primary language support, not primary language instruction. The number of English learners placed in settings other than structured English immersion are, are, are actually no longer reported on the language census starting in 06-07. The language census data collection stopped collecting data on the number of ELs placed in various types of settings. The language census now only collects data on the number of English learners placed in a structured English immersion setting. It's reported in Part 2A uh, of the language census. Teachers are to be counted only once. To, to figure out where, the, where to record the number of teachers, you first determine the teacher's specific assignment with English learners and whether the subject taught is ELD um, or something else like language arts or math or science or social studies. Then you classify the teacher according to the authorization that's held. For example, let's, uh, if a teacher is assigned to provide at least one period of primary language instruction, you count that teacher in the appropriate row in Part 5, Section A, rows 14, uh, 14 through 21, according to the language of instruction. Any teacher providing primary language instruction should be reported only once in Part 5, even though the teacher, in addition to primary language instruction, may also be providing ELD and or Sadat. Teachers reported in Part 5, Section A should not be reported again in Part 5, Section B. If they're not providing primary language instruction... Uh, but providing at least one period of Sadai, ELD, or a combination of ELD and Sadai in the language arts or social studies, science, and or mathematics class, they should be reported in rows 23 through 25, depending on their specific assignment. Again, these teachers are to be counted only once. Classroom teachers uh, or resource teachers, administrators who are assigned to provide instruction to English learners like primary language ELD or SADAI in subjects other than ELD, language arts, math, science, or social studies are not to be reported on the R30 language census, regardless of the credentials or certificates that they hold. As with teachers in other settings, well, let's say, for example, that there's only a very small number of English learners in a school like three, let's say. How do you count the qualified teachers who are assigned to those students, especially in a departmentalized setting, like, uh, say, a high school? You count only those teachers who are actually assigned to provide one or more required instructional service to the English learner, whether it's ELD, SADI, or primary language instruction. For example, in the case of only three English learners in a departmentalized setting, if the students receive one ELD class but also receive one period uh, each of Sedai math or Sedai social studies and, and Sedai biology, then you count all four teachers assigned to these classes. It's, obviously, this is an uncommon instance, um, but in this instance, there are actually more qualified teachers assigned than English learners served. Paraprofessionals who provide primary language support to English learners in classrooms where the teacher is providing English learner services should be reported on the language census in Part 5A in the, in the column. I think, I think it's column D. Well, what about teachers who only provide primary language support to English learners uh, reported on the census? There is no legal requirement for the California Department of Education to collect information on teachers who provide primary language support. 
The only staff that are reported as providing primary language support are bilingual paraprofessionals. If, if teachers who provide primary language support also provide ELD and or SADI, they're only to be counted in Part 5B as providing ELD or SADI. Now, what about charter schools? Uh, because by definition, charter schools are autonomous institutions. Why do charter schools have to submit uh, LC, uh, R30LCs? And why do they have to submit, uh, uh, submit these in conjunction with a particular district? It's, a, it's an interesting topic, and, I, and I'm still really developing my understanding of it. I know that, uh, that even though charter schools have exemptions from some sections of the education code, English learners have federal protections including the ruling in several federal court cases like Asinade Picard or Gomez versus Illinois. Or, um, additionally, you know, pursuant to No Child Left Behind, the Department of Education, uh, uh, the U.S. Department of Education, provides financial assistance to the state educational agencies and local education agencies, the Department of Education here in California, your districts, on the basis of enrollments of English learner students. So although a charter school is autonomous or, or may be autonomous, it's still legally linked to its host or sponsoring district or local educational agency and its operation it, it, its operation is totally dependent on the continued legal authorization by the local educational agency. So, and, and so consequently, the language census form for charter schools is administered through the authorizing uh, district or le- local educational agency. Services for English learners in uh, before school programs or after school programs are not reported on the language census itself. I want to be clear about that. Um, then there are NPSs, um, uh, non-public, non-sectarian um, schools who have uh, that code of uh, zero, 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 zero. It's like ongoing zeros in a one. These NPS um, schools th- that enroll individuals with exceptional needs uh, pursuant to an IEP and are certified by the California Department of Education, these are private schools, right? Uh, so when, when a district contracts with a non-public, non-sectarian school to send their public special education students, let's say, to an NPS for services, the district should report students sent to the NPS on the language census if those uh, students are ELs or, or even fluent English proficient students. Um, a generic named NPS school will, uh, again, <laughs> will have a school code of, I think it's 00000001, and, uh, and, and this, this has been added to the language census software for reporting students that are being sent to NPSs. The uh, Department of Education also accepts the electronic submission of data as certification that the district has resolved all errors, um, researched all warnings, and verified that data are accurate and complete. Since the CDE um, isn't requiring districts to submit a signed certification letter, this letter is no longer available for printing from the software. This letter has been replaced with a submission receipt, which is going to be automatically generated on successful submission of data via the Internet and could be printed and uh, filed for district records. If you don't print the receipt when it's first generated, you may print it from the reports menu in the software. And, of course, once language census data is certif- are cert- certified and posted on the Internet, changes can't be made to the certified files, unless, of course, the 
inaccuracy as, as a result of a processing error uh, made by the CDE. If the inaccuracy is a result of the district submitting incorrect data, the district can submit a notification of inaccurate data along with corrections, which will be kept in the files uh, up in the CDE. Um, there's a, a list of the affected schools uh, posted on the website. Um, again, you can refer to the data modification policy on the Internet for more information on those policies and processes for submitting changes. And then lastly, I just want to touch base back on the uh, translation requirement under um, Ed Code Section 48985 um, and uh, how it affects a district and its schools, specifically in the matter of parental notifications. I- again, remember that if 15% or more of the pupils enrolled in a public school that provides instruction in grades K through 12 speak a single primary language other than English, all notices, reports, statements, or records sent to the parents um, or guardians of any such uh, student by the school or the district have to, in addition to being written in English, be written in the primary language and um, uh, may be responded to either in English or in the primary language. Um, reports for schools meeting the 15% and above criteria is available through DataQuest website. If you need that, please send me an email. I will certainly forward the link to you if you aren't familiar with DataQuest and then also instructions on how to access the language groups that meet the 15% and above translation needs report are referenced in, um, well, they're referenced in, um, <laughs> in a letter called the First Annual Notification of Translation Languages per Assembly Bill 680. And this letter is also posted on the internet. It's kind of tough to find, but again, send me an email and I should, I'll do everything to get it out to you. To identify other districts and schools with common translation needs, uh, you can certainly refer to the data reports that are posted under the subheading Language Data for Districts and Schools, which is again found in the uh, Department of Education's Document Translation Reference web pages. Well, that's going to do it, folks. I know it's a lot of technical information here, but the, such is our wonderful field of education and uh, instructional programs for English learners. Um, I'm hoping um, that you are uh, enjoying this series of uh, netcasts. I can certainly tell you that here uh, at the start of the brand new school year, uh, here in um, 2008, actually not school year, here in January, what was January 3rd of 2008, um, we've had a little over uh, 225 people download these netcasts so far. Um, and I'm hoping that there are some use to you. I want to recommend that you, again, visit my website, take a look at some of the video resources, the tech resources, um, the hot links, the software demonstrations um, that uh, I've got posted on there. Again, that website is www.fcoe.k, the numeral 12.ca.us slash English learner. Feel free to send me an email through that webpage um, if you have something you want me to cover on any one of these netcasts. Again, this is Emil Ahangazer there for the Fresno County Office of Education. Thanks for listening.